0: If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly.
1: Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about how to talk to your partner about money and that is a real hot-button topic sometimes. Joining me today is Joyce Martyr. She is a licensed psychotherapist. She's also the author of The Financial Mindset. So we're going to dig into your mind, Joyce, and tell us how on earth am I supposed to talk to that person who either they don't want to talk about money or I'm hesitant to bring it up.
0: Absolutely. It's a tough situation. And as a therapist for 25 years, I've worked with so many individuals and couples who have had challenges in their relationship with money. I've become extremely interested in our psychology of money, how our thoughts, our belief systems from our families of origin, our past traumas and relationships really shape our financial reality, how our emotions around money can be so charged, and especially in partnerships. Money can be a very loaded issue. For example, if one partner makes more money than the other partner, there can be issues of power and control, which can uh, impact the relationship. If one partner is more financially literate than the other, there can be imbalance. And there's often financial conflict. And we each have different money scripts. So according to research, there's four different money scripts. Their money worship, the idea that money brings us happiness, money status, that money brings us worth, money avoidance, which I would say I'm a recovering money avoidant person myself, <laughs> and money vigilance, which is somebody who really is financially conscious and something that we should all work towards. So it's common in a partnership for one person to have one style and the other person to have another.
1: Well, currently, I'm not in a relationship, and my next statement may tell you why. But if I start dating someone and we, it's not the first or second date, obviously, but if we start getting more serious, I usually start asking for a health certificate and a financial statement. Those two are required before I go any further.
0: <laughs> That's actually really smart of you. And demonstrates that you care about yourself because relationships are interdependent. And as we move into a more serious relationship with somebody, it affects our financial health. And so if we're living together or we're making major life decisions together, like having a child or even a pet, we want to be informed. And that involves financial transparency and honesty and having regular communication around money. And in my practice, I've seen many cases of financial infidelity, where one partner is not fully honest about secret debt or secret assets, or even in very extreme examples, they might even have a secret partner or a secret family where finances are going to support those individuals as well. So there's a lot of trust and you know, communication that's involved in a financial relationship with somebody. And so as a therapist, it's so important to support people in their financial empowerment. I encourage all couples, all individuals to work on their financial literacy. Sadly, I've seen a lot of people who aren't financially literate, predominantly women, even highly educated, very sophisticated and successful women not understanding the ins and outs of investing or how to read a financial statement and unfortunately deferring that power to their partner. And so financial literacy is really important to be conscious and aware and to have a role and a voice in your partnership and to have a mutual, respectful, balanced relationship. I also believe every couple can benefit from a neutral person like a financial advisor, financial therapist, financial planner, who can really help them find a neutral medium. When I do couples counseling, for example, if someone's an overspender and someone else is a huge saver, I try to help them each do some work to come toward the middle so that they can collaborate rather than have conflict.
1: Okay. Big question for me is how do people who are disparate, like you just mentioned, you have a saver and you have a spender in the relationship, how do they even come together without realizing that and now they're deep into a marriage or a commitment and now they're struggling, they're having fights, they're having to go to a counselor to sort out these issues. Why didn't they realize it beforehand?
0: I personally believe that I know for myself growing up, I I watched fairy tales and and the idea that when we fall in love with someone that's forever and it's emotion and love and connection and and, you know, wasn't always taught to look at sort of the business aspect of, of the relationship in a serious way. And it really is a business and financial relationship. So it's smart that you do that, but unfortunately, I think many of us get swept away with emotion. We have we're human and none of us is perfect and we have denial and rationalization that it's going to be okay and we also put our best face forward when we're newly dating and some of those negative aspects might not come out until we're actually living together or married. And so those Challenges really require some emotional intelligence. They require each partner to dig deep and work on their empathy and compassion to understand that people's financial issues sometimes are a normal response to previous traumas. For example, I had a client who grew up in poverty, and so she overate and overspent because she was afraid that the money that she was making was someday going to go away. And she was going to be hungry and without what she needed, like she was when she was a little girl. And so rather than judging or shaming your partner, you want to kind of have these conversations about, you know, what was money like in your family? And what were the religious or cultural beliefs that you were taught? And, you know, do you believe that Having a lot of money is greedy or selfish, or what is your financial vision or hope for our relationship or family? And I believe, according to cognitive behavioral therapy, that our thoughts precede our emotions and behaviors. And I've seen it in in my practice, that if we have negative beliefs about money, we cause self-limitation and self-sabotage. I've also noticed there's a huge connection between mental health and financial health. And right now we're living through a global collective trauma with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Many of us are experiencing mental health issues like depression or anxiety or substance use disorders, and that can impact our financial wellness. And so we really need to look at both ends of the spectrum and take care of ourselves mentally and financially. And I really hope that my book is an effective program to help individuals and couples do just that.
1: We need to take a break. When we come back, I want to go more into that idea of we are all sharing a collective trauma at the moment, and it's compounded by this little thing called a recession (laughs) that we're just about to hit on. So we'll be right back with Joyce Martyr. She's a licensed psychotherapist. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that it affects your life in any way money wise. We're talking about it. And today we're talking about how do you talk to your partner about money, especially if there is an imbalance in the relationship. Joining me today is Joyce Martyr. She is the author of The Financial Mindset, and you're also a licensed psychotherapist. So you see a lot of people who are struggling with money, maybe even within themselves, but also in if you bring in another person into the conversation. So when we left off, you had just mentioned this trauma that everybody is dealing with. It's coming through the pandemic. And we were just seeing the, the first glimmers. Most of us in the U.S. were not wearing masks anymore. There's not really a big push to teach their kids at home. But as we came out of it, all of a sudden, we've got a recession going yeah. on. So now the wallets are tightening up, grocery prices just skyrocketed, gas prices, pretty much everything. If you need to buy a new car, that's outrageous. So what are you seeing in your practice now with all of this happening?
0: Yes, absolutely. So during the past couple of years, we've been living through a global collective trauma, And we've been through a state of chronic uncertainty, transition, and change, which has been enormously stressful. And it's understandably triggered mental health conditions like grief and loss, anxiety, stress, relationship issues, depression, anxiety, you name it. And when we're having mental health issues, it can impair our financial health in terms of our productivity or job loss etc. And when we're having financial health problems, if we had a business close, or we have had health issues, or we were laid off, we're dealing with unemployment, or we're really afraid about inflation and the uncertainty in the world, that can cause even financially triggered post traumatic stress disorder. And very seriously, 16% of suicides are financially driven. So this is a very serious subject matter, and help is available and effective. So looking at your mental health and using strategies from psychology to shift your mindset from scarcity, which, you know, my father grew up during the Great Depression, and he understandably had a scarcity mindset. He was afraid that there wasn't enough food, enough Jobs enough resources for everybody. And so people get afraid and competitive. I mean, think about the toilet paper situation. That's a great example of scarcity mindset. What I teach in my book, which the full name is the financial mindset fix, a mental fitness program for an abundant life is an abundance mindset. And an abundance mindset is the idea that there's enough resources, whether that's money or love or jobs or opportunities for all of us. And when we collaborate, rather than being competitive and fearful, we can problem solve and we can lift one another up. So my program is practical. It's built on 12 mindsets that I've identified through 25 years of counseling professionals that lead to a successful life. I help you combat fear-based thinking through proven exercises, through cognitive behavioral therapy. And I help you imagine a greater life, create a vision for yourself, believe in yourself, embrace your worth and embrace your courage to expand your comfort zone. And we need to do this in our partnerships. We need to support one another. We need to have these conversations. So I love hearing from some of my readers that they've been doing some of the exercises in my book together as a couple, and then having these conversations about, hey, I just completed the financial health wheel. This is what mine looks like. What does yours look like? And then having conversations about similarities and differences and how they can maybe help one another. So do
1: you think doing something like that, where if you feel like you don't have a lot of knowledge surrounding money and finances, even going to a financial advisor, they have that intimidation factor. So do you think that having these tools that you can use at home with yourself is maybe a little easier path into learning
0: more? I think it's a nice, non-threatening start. And I, I'm going to share a secret with you, Heather. Every therapist specializes in our own issues. So I've been there. I've had tremendous financial anxiety. I'm an entrepreneur. I built my business with $500 and 50000 of student loans. And at one point, I was in cash flow hell. I thought I'd have to file bankruptcy, I had insomnia and panic attacks. And I used the strategies for my clinical training that I share in my book to turn the ship around. And unbelievably, six years later, I was able to sell my business for a multimillion dollar amount, something I would have never dreamed possible. And I believe you can do this too. I really do. And I had such financial shame and anxiety going to a financial planner because I was embarrassed of my debt. I, was, I had a lot of shame. And so, you, know, you wanna find somebody that's a good fit for you. Have a 20 minute free consultation. There are places like Consumer Credit Counseling Service that offer free and confidential budgeting assistance and financial literacy courses Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman have great financial literacy courses that are less than $60 online. And then, of course, I think we all need therapy at different points in our lives. I think that's healthy and normal. My own therapist said to me, Joyce, what does money mean to you? What do you think of when I say money? And I said, oh, I think of stress. And she said, well, no wonder you make it go away. So uh, I had yeah. to reprogram my thinking and a lot of it had to do with my worth and, and really coming to terms that I deserve to make a profit. I was putting everybody else before myself, paying my staff and my clients, or not my clients, <laughs> that would be unethical, <laughs> paying my staff and taking care of my clients and my family, but really not taking care of myself financially. And that was rooted in self-esteem. And even Susie Orman said she noticed in her financial advising practice that self-worth is connected to net worth. So when we work on our self-worth, it changes our financial reality.
1: I love that. Self-worth is connected to net worth. And I agree wholeheartedly. I went through similar financial issues in my younger years as well, which prompted me later in life to start this podcast where I can help people because I didn't get that when I was growing up. It was like money doesn't grow on trees. Turn off those lights. And that was the extent of my financial learning from my parents.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> Right. We didn't learn that back in the day. And I'm glad my teenagers, and I have a 17 and 20 year old, they had personal finance in high school. So I I think it's getting better and there's more podcasts and, and, you know, money um, shows and books and podcasts that we can gather more information because I think it's, it's not just money management. A lot of it is psychology, it's our thoughts, our emotions, our behaviors, our relationship with money. Yeah. And we need to get a handle on that. And when we're in a relationship with someone else, it's it's even more complicated. And so we have to use good communication and conflict resolution skills to compromise and collaborate and work together to really cultivate an abundant life that includes you know, mental health, physical health, supported relationships, work-life balance, and financial success.
1: Yeah, I'd like to take one more quick break, but when we come back, I want to touch on relationships and and self-worth combined, where you can have money abuse in a relationship. So we'll be right. right back with Joyce Martyr. She is a licensed psychotherapist and the author of the Financial Mindset Fit. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about how to speak to your partner about money. And I have joining me Joyce Martyr. She is a licensed psychotherapist. And Joyce, in the last segment, you touched on this. It's your self-worth, which if you have a lower self-worth, you are going to be more prone to having abuse in a relationship. Not just about money, just any type, physical abuse, mental abuse, but... What is money abuse? Because you talk about that as well in your books.
0: Yes, and I just wrote a blog about it in Psychology Today. And really, we all know what emotional abuse is, physical abuse, sexual abuse, but we don't talk a lot about financial or economic abuse. And I first saw this in my practice. I had a young mother come to me and her husband was much older And she explained that when they got married, he basically asked for her information and began depositing her work bank accounts into his bank account. I'm sorry, her work paychecks into his bank account. And then she was given a very small allowance per week for $30 to take care of her her transportation, anything that she would need, clothing, makeup, health care, co-pays, you name it. He was then able to drive the luxury car that she actually brought into the marriage. And she was forced to take public transportation, even with the babies, taking them to doctor's appointments. And he bought lavish clothes. She noticed credit cards coming to the home that were very thick, and some of them were in her name, even though she had not applied for them. And so this is financial abuse. Uh, she did not have know what the Family's financial situation was what the debts were, what the assets were um, she was not free to spend money, their division of labor was not equitable. she did all of the cooking, all of the cleaning, all of the child care so the financial abuse was a piece of the overall abuse, and so we worked on her self esteem her empowerment her assertiveness, and she was a trauma survivor. she experienced abuse as a child and We all unconsciously recreate what's familiar, and she really transformed. She went back to school, earned more, got her own separate account, confronted her husband. Unbelievably, they're still married, and he made major adjustments, and they have a much more equal relationship financially, which is really impressive. That
1: is, and I'm proud of her to, to actually go through this because so many people do not. But what gave this man the idea that this was a proper thing to do to begin with?
0: You know, I can't say because I don't know him. I know that he's from a culture where that's very patriarchal, there's a lot of machismo. Again, he was older. And this may have been what he'd seen in his family for generations. And, you know, we have to remember that it hasn't been that long since most women were in the home and not working outside of the home in terms of maybe two generations. And so she was very brave and made important changes, but I've seen financial abuse happen when, ex-partners don't pay their alimony, they don't pay their child support, or they don't allow family members to have access to resources that they have, or don't pay bills or don't honor their end of the commitment. It could be a roommate. You signed a lease together and they're not paying their half of the rent. They're not following through with their commitment. And some of it can be criminal. If somebody pulled out, you know, signed up for a credit card under your name or took out a loan under your name against, without you knowing it, that's fraud and that's illegal. So, and then there's financial neglect. That's, you know, not taking care of your children when they're dependent on you, or maybe somebody is taking care of an elder and they're not feeding them. They're not providing them access to health care. That's elder abuse. That's something that needs to be reported because it is unlawful. And so we need to be aware that this does occur in relationships.
1: So how do you go about starting to fix a, a relationship that has that type of abuse in it?
0: Well, I think first of all, just recognizing it, you know, are you in a relationship where you feel angry and fearful and that there's disempowerment or inequity in the relationship? Or are you feeling financially gaslit? You know, gaslighting is when somebody sort of makes us feel crazy for having normal emotions. You know, for example, if you get upset that somebody just spent a whole bunch of money and they turn around and blame you for something that you spent that was very small in comparison, Those are the types of behaviors that you have a lot of financial conflicts with someone. Starting to question, am I in a financially abusive relationship? Do I have a partner who steals from me and spends that money on alcohol or drugs or gambling? Those are examples of financial abuse and neglect. And then starting to get help. Contacting a therapist, maybe a therapist who specializes in abuse or finances, or contacting a financial advisor or planner or consumer credit counseling service, or a domestic violence shelter, or at least talking to people, talking to friends and family, and starting to separate out some of your finances and starting to set some healthy financial boundaries and limits, learning how to say no, how to disentangle yourself. And that can be a real process. And it's so important to have support and to make sure that you are physically and emotionally safe during the process.
1: I know we're running short on time, but one of the things I learned from others is if you do get into a relationship where you are starting to share your financial life You should always maintain separate bank accounts for your own personal spending money. The other person cannot get mad at you for using the money you have in there to do that. But the bulk of your money should be together for your home, cars, groceries, child care, if you you have that. It's combining your life together, but you have to have some separation as well in order to maintain your individuality.
0: Yes. And couples organize it different ways. Some people pool absolutely everything together and everything is joint. Some people do, as you've said, and they have a joint account for all the shared bills, and then they have separate accounts for their own spending money, and some people live as roommates and have mostly everything separate, and then just each pay half of the bills. It's just as long as you agree as a couple what your strategy is, and that there's honesty and transparency. And, you know, I tell you that I make $40,000 a year, but I really make $240,000 a year, and you don't know that. And I secretly have all this extra money and I'm making you pay half the cable bill, even though you only make $25,000 a year. That's not really fair or honest. And so it's important to have those collaborative, honest conversations because trust is the foundation of relationships.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, Joyce Martyr, thank you so much for getting us through the basics of if you're going to get into a relationship or you're already in one. Start having these conversations, find out how much your partner really makes, or if you're feeling that you just don't have enough at the end of the day, check with your partner, go, hey, are you feeling the crunch too? Because I am.
0: Yes, being honest, being truthful, being kind, being empathic, not judgy, not shaming, and speaking from your heart and your gut and remembering that the... the goal is to build a shared financial life together and to do that in a way that's healthy and respectful for both of you.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Joyce Martyr. you are the author of the Financial Mindset Fix. You also have a blog called Mental Wealth.
0: And where can people find that blog? It's on psychologytoday.com. And my website is JoyceMartyr.com. J-O-Y-C-E, m-a-r-t-e-r.com. And you are a licensed
1: psychotherapist. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Heather. It's been fun.
0: Twitter and Instagram.